1: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: Hello and welcome to Unfiltered. My name's Doug Moore, and my guest today is a footballer. Born in Leeds and raised in poverty by his mother and grandmother, while his father spent recurring stints in prison, he began his professional career as a midfielder at Leeds United, where he was dubbed the Yorkshire Perlowe. In 2020, he started every game for England at the Euros. A big money move to Manchester City followed, but injury has meant nearly no match time. Gareth Southgate says he is a super player, but inevitably it's not a situation that continues forever. His best friend says he's never let the football, the fame, the money get on top of him. My guest today is Calvin Phillips. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Good. Glad to have you with us. Um, on Unfiltered, we like to, well, it's a conversation about how the events of your life made you who you are. Mm-hmm. And well, this film you've got coming out, this documentary coming out with Amazon focuses on all of that. So yeah. we'll talk about it a bit today. We like to begin at the beginning. Makes sense. You grew up in Leeds in the 90s and early noughties. Yeah. Can you describe what leeds was like to grow up in as a city um to be honest i had
3: a really good childhood from from my point of view my childhood was the best because you know my mum made it the best and i had all my friends around me all brothers and sisters around me and stuff like that so i had a really good childhood there as i got older i knew that um you know the difficulties that my mum had when you know we was younger being a single mom and working two jobs and um me having to always go to my grandma's and um grandma having to look after her as well when mum was working. Um kinda of realised that as I got older and um yeah, I think me playing football it kinda of just gave me that firing ability to try and make my mum a lot um a lot more proud. Um and kinda of just give her a little bit back and what she gave me and um, you know, tell her how proud I am about
2: I um, I grew up in a single-parent household as well. And the thing that, as I grew older, that I was most impressed with was the way that my mum sort of insulated me from all of that, sort of the stress, the pressure that she clearly was under. <laughs> and I guess when you're a, a kid as well, you, you're not even thinking about things like that. Are you? You just, you're thinking about when you're going to go off and play football next. <laughs> but one of the things that I was most impressed with or sort of the things I give, I thank her for most is always try and sort of insulate me from the pressure and the stress and the difficulty that she was experiencing at that time because i think preserving that kind of innocence of childhood it's so important isn't it when you're growing up
3: yeah i think that's one of the main things i praise my mom for as well i think you know to keep us away from all the stuff that's going on and um just letting us enjoy every moment we to had together as a family and you know with all his friends as well um yeah, I think, you know, she did unbelievable to do that and you know, it was only when, you know, I was turning like eleven, twelve, thirteen when, you know, I'd maybe walk into the kitchen she'd be a little bit upset and I'd ask her what's wrong and I seen more signs of that and um yeah, and then obviously I started playing football, went to Leeds and um you know, just wanted to really push myself to to become the best person that I could, not just for me but for her as well because of how much she's sacrificed.
2: Difficult thing, isn't it? as a young lad, you know, being 11, 12, 13, trying to get involved in those, I guess, more adult conversations, you know, yeah. especially because you feel obliged to, you know, I was the the oldest, oldest man in the house and you sort of, you're trying to, you're trying to be an adult. You think you're an adult, mm. but you fucking
3: not. <laughs> <laughs> literally, yeah, literally, that's what, that's what you felt like because obviously, you know, I, my mum, obviously my dad, around at the time and never had that father figure there to, to help me or to guide me in any way. Um uh, but my mum basically did both jobs and she helped me do that and, you know, I'd try to speak to him and ask her what's wrong, why are you crying? She's just like, Oh nothing it's fine, it's fine. She'll just be like, Nothing it's fine, I'm way but often um but yeah, yeah, I just had to look after her brothers and sisters and make sure they was behaving well enough for to stop adding more stress to um, my mom's life and
2: oh, well, they well behaved. Yeah, very well behaved, very well behaved. I think I did a good job of doing that. Of course, you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me a bit more about the family dynamic. You know, you mentioned your brothers and sisters, but also uh, your grand as well. Yeah.
3: So my grandma was a very special woman, Granny Val. Um, I don't know if many people have seen it, but there's a docu, please documentary out. Um, that she was involved in quite a lot in that, and you know, if you do watch, it, you can tell what type of woman she is. Um. She was an amazing woman and um, she was basically the queen of our family. She had eight kids, got a very big family. Um, she made sure she had time for every single, you know, grandchild, great-grandchild, um uh daughter, uh son. So, yeah, she was a special woman and, you know, she was very funny as well at the same time. So, you know, I can remember she used to, <clears throat> my mum used to always, You know, give each other a little bit of stick with them when they used to go around. But she used to love them. Um, Yeah, she was just hilarious. So,
2: sense of humor is really important, isn't it? Particularly when you are growing
3: up. Yeah, especially in our family. I think our family is one of the funniest. I've got some of the funniest people in my family. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, I think you'll probably see it on a few clips in the documentary. How funny some people are, and I think that kind of just extends to what type of people we are. Very, very happy. um, Very loud at the same time, but. Also very humble as well.
2: You've got a, a twin sister. If if she was sat there where you're sat right now and I was talking to her about you and she was going to tell me a funny story about you, what would she tell me? <laughs> I Actually, you
3: know what? I actually don't know. My... You, you're probably trying to think of one as well that you can actually say. Yeah, I'm, clear, try so. to, <laughs> no, I'm trying to think at the same time, but I actually don't know. I actually don't know what she'd say. I think she'd probably just remember something when we were younger. I don't really know. Mm. Um, well, how would she describe you then? I'm um, just funny, annoying at the same time. Um, but me and my sister live together, so me and my girlfriend and my sister live together in Manchester. So, you know, I'm very close to my twin sister. She, um, she works from home most of the time, and you know, we spend quite a lot of time together. So, um, you know, there's been times where I've annoyed her on numerous occasions, um, but I can't really say how. What annoyed her? <laughs> Fair moment, enough. So.
2: <laughs> um, and okay, so you. It's in the film as well, isn't it? But you moved to Manchester and then your mum moved into your at league. Yeah. Didn't she? Yeah. must be quite nice as well to be able to sort of, you know, have the house that you've you've got, you've paid for from your football and then say, you know, go on mum. Yeah. You're at that. I
3: think that's what, you know, I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to make sure mum's, you know, secure in her own, in her own house, you not know, having to pay rent and, and stuff like that. And I think, you know, it's the least I can do after the way that she brought me and my brothers and sisters up. So... For me to be a do that with the job that I do and um just to help her a little bit more and help, help her, you know, be a little bit more stress free. Um she loves it to be fair. She's non stop gardening now, so
2: there's um there's quite a funny scene in the doc where she can't work out <laughs> your <yucca>. cooker. Yeah. <laughs> do you think it's like touch touching that, isn't it? It's
3: not like... even that difficult to be honest. I don't know how she didn't get it but Yeah. She um he had a few moments like that in the house where there's a few blind there's blinds in the kitchen as well and she doesn't know how to open them. She never knows how to open them And you know, when it's sunny and when it's warm, it's like a it's like a greenhouse in there. So she just goes out and sits in the garden, and does gardening. So
2: Nice. Um it's one of the we interviewed Niall Warren for this podcast and one of the first things he did was saw his parents out once he once he got that sort of first paycheck. And, you know, storms he talks about it all the time as well, doesn't he? Like taking care of his mum. Mm hmm. When he got baby the first time, and I don't Stormzy, obviously he he's single parent household. I do believe mm-hmm. Niall less so, but it's, I don't know whether there's some there's just something about when you're a young lad and you've done done a right for yourself. The first thing you want to do is sort of like pay it back.
3: Yeah, I think I've met Stormzy as well. I've met him in a concert in Leeds and he seems like a proper good guy. But I just feel like that's what type of people we are. Like when we've grown up, you know, not realizing how has you know, mothers and stuff have had to work and, you know, whenever you get the chance to repay them, that's what you do and, you know, to be fair, I've had a couple of houses in Leeds and, you know, when I moved out of my old house that I went back to in the documentary, mm-hmm. um, I moved out for like two years and then bought the house that my mum's in now mm-hmm. and, let's see, it's like a domino effect to every house that I move out to. Every house that I say that, I'm getting my mum's like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: She's looking it up I'm on.
3: like, right, move. <laughs> give me the keys, give me the keys. Uh, but see be the I, I don't blame her Because she deserves it So
2: Yeah, too right yeah. Too right she does um, Your other parent mentioned your intro <laughs> In the intro, your dad <laughs> um, Who was in and out of prison a lot yep. In your childhood What effect did that have on your relationship with him When you were younger?
3: Um, I don't think it had It didn't have a bad effect on it Because, you know, he's still my father I still love him like is my father as well, so it's just the fact that obviously it was limited time where we'd get to see him and we'd be able to speak to him for, you know, a couple of weeks at a time or, you know, a couple of months at a time and um and then, you know, you kinda of grow up and you're growing up all your friends are, you know, with their fathers and, you know, spending time with their fathers and you've not really had the chance to do so, so um but yeah, obviously, you know, me and my dad have a great relationship. We speak to each other um, occasionally, and you know, I went to go see him a couple months ago, and um, you know, he, just, he was literally like he'd never been away because we have that same, we have that same talk. We speak about football, we have a laugh, we ask how our families doing, and stuff like that. And you know, it's like he's never been away, but obviously, you know, the real picture is that he's been away for quite a while. And um, now I think he gets out in twenty twenty five, twenty six, and you know, I said to him one of our first conversations. When I went to go see him, I said, I want to help you when you get out um, to be more secure and um, to not go back into prison. And the one thing he said to me, which you could have asked for anything, he says, literally, all I want now, he says, to just travel the world and watch you play football. He says, that's literally all I want. I don't want anything else. Just give me that and I'm happy. So,
2: yeah. That's giving me goosebumps. Yeah. You saying that then. Yeah. Um, So, when you're younger, we were talking about We were talking about your mum, like, shielding you a little bit, you know, from the difficulty that she had then. Mm -hmm. So this might sound like a slightly weird question, but did you know where he was? Did you know he was in prison, or did your mum kind of try to protect you from that a little bit when you were younger as well? I knew
3: times when, obviously when I was younger, we used to go visit him all the time in prison and stuff. But then even when he'd come out, he'd go missing for, like, you know, a month at a time, and then come back and be black, oh where have you been? But, um, But, yeah, I think, you know, there were times where when you are not seen him for maybe longer than a month, then you kind of knew that he was going back in prison, you'd gone back into prison or whatever, and then I think my mum would just tell us, oh, you know, we we'll to go see your dad, he's, he's gone back in prison now. Um, And we'd all just be like, oh, for God's sake. Um, not, not again. Ag- <laughs> not again. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, yeah, that's... To be honest, you know, this documentary is about me trying to inspire the young generation, but, like, it's also, you know... I know that my dad had a very difficult childhood when he grew up and, um, you know, his decisions that he's made is from not having a great childhood and, you know, he went into care and stuff like that. So it's not being easy for him either. So, um, you know, just, just yeah, you know, my, my dad's a good guy in his own way and, um, yeah, I can't wait for him to get out, so.
2: I think it's important, though, to to show that side of things because, you know, it's very it'd be very easy to just, like, you know, not talk about it or, mm-hmm. you know, tell it didn't happen and actually... It's quite powerful to show people that, you know, life is messy, life is difficult. Yeah. It's never as simple as, you know, oh yeah, I just started playing football and made it all the way to the top. Yeah. You know, isn't it, obviously it's never like that anyway, yeah. but you, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. like, it's actually, I think, you know, there'll be people who perhaps themselves are in a pretty difficult situation and they see something like that and where you got to in spite of it mm-hmm. can be quite inspiring.
3: Yeah, I think, so. I think that's another reason why I wanted to do the documentary, I wanted to inspire, you know, whoever watched it, I wanted to make sure they felt inspired by, you know, my story and, you know, no matter where you're from, what situation you've been in in the past, what situation you could go through in the future, um, you know, whatever you put, whatever you put your mind to, if you work hard enough and you have the right people around you to support you, then, you know, you know the sky's the limit, really.
2: Mm-hmm i want to pick up as well on something you mentioned a little bit earlier he said um that he didn't really have a father figure there at mm-hmm. the time because he was away did how did how did that experience sort of impact your how you perceive like being a man you know if if you don't have you know dad there all the time to look up to and you mm-hmm. sort of be like a guiding light how did that experience change being sort of a positive male role model and and that sort of thing for you um i think he was just I think it was just, you know,
3: whenever I got a chance to interact with, you know, kids and stuff. And even like me and my girlfriend speak about it now, like whenever we have kids, I'm never going to not be with my kids, you know what I mean? Because I know how I felt when I was younger, when, you know, I did see my dad for a few months and, and stuff like that. But I think, you know, with me, if you ever see me interact with kids and, you know, talk to kids and young fans, like I go out of my way to do everything that I can for them because I know exactly how it feels when, you know, you want to say hello to somebody, you want to say hello to, like, a footballer you see, maybe at a shopping centre or something, and then you don't really say it because you're too scared or too shy. So I just try and, you know, speak to them like I'm a normal person because that's what I am, um, make them feel very comfortable and, you know, just be a highlight of the day. Maybe if they in me, a, you know, they say, oh, I go home and tell a friend, oh, I think Alvin Felix in. Hey, like, let me have a picture of his talk and stuff like that, so... I just like to you know just show you know appreciation for all all the fans that obviously look up to me and as a role model and stuff like that
2: and i guess the other side of it as well is yeah okay maybe there's not necessarily like that father figure there mm-hmm. but there are plenty of strong women in your life mm-hmm. that have sort of you know steps you know talk about your grand talk about your mum, what they went through for you yeah and that you know, just because perhaps someone's dad isn't there doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't role models, that there aren't people for them to look up to. And actually, sort of, the strength of women in doing that is, you know, it's it's really evident in the film as well.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, like you see in the documentary, the women are so important in my life. Um, and they've done an amazing job at being both, you know, mother and father figures. and um, But for me as well... Um, You know, the father figures that I've had, not father figures, but, you know, somebody who had, you know, not like, he been my head coaches who, you know, I've been playing football under and stuff like that. Like, I've always wanted to make sure I'm doing everything right in my own way so I'm not disappointing them and stuff like that. So, whenever I had a coach for like, you know, a couple of years, because at Later it was changing managers every two months, so it was hard to do that. But when um, Bielsa came in, he was like, he was like a, granddad figure basically I loved yeah. I'd do everything possible you know, obviously to make him happy and make his life easier um at the training ground and I'd always want to impress him and he's weird. It sounds a little bit weird but it's like my fa- my father figures were kinda coming from, you know, the managers who, you know, was spending basically every day with we at the football at the football ground and stuff like that. So so yeah, it's it's a bit a weird one but
2: Say that, that to be honest with you, you know, I mean, like uh, people, people have mentors, you know. Yeah. People have people they look up to. Mm-hmm. Sadiq, Sadiq Khan was one of the approved interviews, and he was talking about his head teacher at school, <laughs> and he stayed in touch with him all the way through like, yeah. his life afterwards. I mean, uh, you mentioned to there. I mean, are there any other, any other sort of people that have played that role, like mentoring you, still present that you sort of still touch base with, and you know? Um.
3: There's a few of a. There's a. My old um my old coach at Leeds when I was under eighteen, Neil Redfern. Um, Blues is actually in the documentary. Okay. Um he's somebody that I speak to. There's a guy called Steve Holmes who was at Leeds when I was younger as well, who he helped me a lot and um yeah, just p- different people from, you know, me growing up who I've kept in touch with and um and yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few too far. Nice.
2: Let's talk a little bit more about the football side of things then. Mm-hmm. What are your sort of um, first memories, earliest memories playing? Probably
3: just out on the street, my bro. This, we, that's all we used to do. We used to wake up in the morning. If we didn't have school, we'd wake up in the morning. It's the first thing we'd do. We wouldn't even have breakfast. We'd go outside and play football. And then go in. Probably a would have to go to the shop. We'd be like, oh, come here. Get, some, get something to eat. Come back go outside and play football and that's literally all it was every single day and then as we grew older and, you know we got to roam around Leeds a little bit more and you know my best friend Liam as well he lived you know 10 minutes down the road from me so we used to meet up all near my house and then we'd walk all the way to Kirkstall which is like probably about an hour walk and meet up with my cousins who live you know 20 minutes away and we'd all meet at that point and go play football. Like, a, at goals in Kirkstall, and um, that's shit all we did. We spent hours and hours, there, and yeah, it's paid off in a way.
2: <laughs> what um, yeah. what position did your brother play?
3: My brother? Yeah, yeah. My Brother's a centre back. He was actually he was probably better than me when he was younger. You're not gonna lie, yeah. He was he was really good. He played for played for Worthy Boys as well, and he was a one. Obviously, that one, all the twelve, is he won? You know. League, he won tournaments he won you know he had a really good team and um you know I was like a bit jealous because he was winning all these trophies and stuff like that but then you know as I got older my trophies started going a lot more and stuff like that and to be fair he um he actually came to Leeds on trial and then got injured in on trial so never really went back but um yeah, I'd say I'd say he was probably better than me when he was younger.
2: He's gonna clip he's gonna take that. Yeah, 100 percent He's gonna be, be all putting that down in family <laughs> WhatsApp. <laughs> um did you so it's probably uh over a bit much to say that, you know, your career has been based on a rivalry with your brother and <laughs> you to get get more trophies. he's <laughs> going to cover. But um, you know, those those early games and and playing with him, playing with Liam, playing with your mates. I mean, you obviously must have enjoyed that process, enjoyed doing that every day, because otherwise you wouldn't be here now, right? I mean, happy memories then, doing all that. Yeah, unbelievable. That's why I say that my childhood was so good, because
3: literally all we did, we had fun all the time. And, um, you know, there'd be times where we got to goals and we'd meet another group of lads who were like, maybe 17, 18, I'd be like 14 at the time. And um, like we'd play against them and you know, they'd give you a little bit. And then as soon as they see me giving it back, they'd be like, Oh, all right, then he's he's serious about what he does. So and, so yeah, that's what my that's what my friends say all the time. Like, I remember playing, you know, all the lads and and me not being scared to get stuck in. That's 50-50 so in the
2: they, ca-
3: they kinda of knew that, you know, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be a good player.
2: Was there uh, was there like a ri- a rival team that you particularly in the league or anything like that that you guys were always wanting to play against? Anyone who stands out? As Farz is as Yeah. Yeah, so
3: it's a team that's not too far from from where we was in Leeds and I actually moved there though after I was at so before I went to Leeds I moved from really to Farsi Celtic um, for like six months and then went to Leeds but yeah there was a team that we'd always they used to always get like you know the best players maybe you know been on trial at certain teams and then got knocked back and they'd get them and win all the leagues and stuff so we used
2: to love playing against so. them Any standout games that you remember? Um, Big result?
3: Not that not like I can remember, no. There's been so many games. Yeah. I, I don't really remember, but I can just remember, you know, loving playing against Faza like you You used to always get stuck in, but you used to get, be so close to getting mid cards at the same time. So.
2: <laughs> Treading the line. Yeah. No one wants to send off like a 13-year-old kid either, do they? <laughs> the red doesn't want to send you off. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> They give them a reason to. Um, okay, so I think you're 14 when you get scouted for Leeds. Is yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. How do you remember feeling when you heard that they were scouting you and they were taking an interest in you? I was so nervous. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I actually went to Huddersfield, um, you know, a couple of weeks before that. I was just trying out, like, different places. And I'd gone to Huddersfield and I think I spent one day there. I was like, I'm not going back there. No one was like, what's up? And I said, I don't like it. There. I'm not going back there. And she never took me back. Mm. And then a couple of weeks later, I got scouted by Leeds. So, you know, I think it was like a blessing in disguise, really. Um but yeah, I got scouted by Leeds and I can remember I had a friend at the time, Jake, who um he was playing for the Leeds at the time and I got went to school with him. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, he obviously his mum and dad used to help take me to training and stuff when my mum couldn't as well, so um yeah, it was hard to integrate myself in the team because the some of the boys had been there since like they were six years old and stuff and I honestly I couldn't imagine, you know, going to an academy at six years old because never get time to enjoy anything because yeah. you just literally constantly, like, try to impress people, impress people. Where when I was playing Sunday League, I was just... Loving it. Just
2: loving life. So, um, Do you but, not wonder, like, when a scout, like, sees, like, a six-year-old kid playing, like, what are they seeing? That, do, you not, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no. This, I the others.
3: Totally I totally agree because I just see little kids running around and having fun, like, never getting tired. Yeah. That's why they, they were the best days. You to never get tired. Mm-hmm. And now you do
2: two lumps of football but didn't your knackered so yeah you'd love that like lunch break or whatever at school where you'd just be absolutely banging it for <laughs> a full hour yeah. and then again after school <laughs> and yeah where's that gone now oh, yeah. I don't know um, tell me a bit more about you said f- nervous you said when you found out there was yeah so a bit more about that just because I'd never
3: I'd never been to like a big show mm. like that I'd never been to obviously Leeds was my favourite team somewhere I'd always loved to be in, and um I think I got a six week trial and I started actually on fire. I scored like I think I scored like six goals in the first four games. And then a six week trial finished and they said that they wanted to keep me on and then I didn't score for the rest of that season, so I think I think the nervous energy actually did me a little bit of good. Oh yeah. As soon as I got a little bit relaxed, kinda of dropped off a little bit and didn't score
2: anymore. So um, I mean, your comfort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was um I was gonna well, what I was gonna ask you like, what was it like at school when everyone found out that you were sort of you know going off to leads? But you said your mate Jake was already he's already there, already there. So yeah, so that big a deal, mate.
3: Yeah, and you weren't that bigger a deal? It was he was all right. Like obviously, you know, all the older lads at school used to you know buzz off you because you sick up for you. But um, but yeah, we already had one guy who was already sick up for you at that time anyway. So because
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it, you know. Being being like the kid or whatever that that gets picked and is doing it, and yeah. I, I, I was that's why I asked because I thought about myself at that time at school if I was playing for like you know if I'd been scouted by a team, well, yeah. that would never have happened. <laughs> I was not good. I just just you know the ego on me would yeah. be like yeah. out here, and then you said earlier that like some other lad had already done it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's um, let's talk a little bit more about sort of England then twenty twenty you make your international debut. When you found out you'd been selected, you're going in the squad, who did you call 1st
3: mm-hmm.
2: What was that phone call like?
3: To be honest, I just not remember just screaming on the phone. But I told her she was she was absolutely buzzing if she started crying on the phone and stuff, saying how proud she is of me and, and stuff like that and you know, I was I was driving at the time so I couldn't really I was like she's just on the dashboard like trying to and then um, after that was my grandma, and after that was my girlfriend who I've been with for fourteen years now. So you know I've got people all around me that have been there since day one, and you know I wanted to tell all tell all them first. And you know the reception the reception that they gave me was just you know of how much how much you know she's seen everyone seen me go through, you know how much I've you no know, wanted. To be involved with England and then to be fan the gold off was um, for a major tournament till- was you know an
2: amazing feeling. So, so how long? How long you you? When did you your missus meet then? Fourteen years. Fourteen it was fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What's really striking in that list um, there on um, you know the first three people you called they're all they're all women. Yeah, we were talking earlier about the sort of the power of women in your life. It's clear, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Those first three people you go and talk to and tell about it and celebrate it with.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. Um. Dunno, it's just it's the I just call people that have been there since day one and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So you have
2: three women straight away. And you said you're in the car, so does that mean you, you got the call as well whilst you were driving? Yeah, I
3: got the call um from South
2: forget, yeah. What was that like? It's weird.
3: It's funny though, because um I'd got literally got a call from my agent at the time and he said, um so I think a that's gonna ring you. So I don't know what for. I don't know if it's to say that you're gonna be a ball, or if you're not. Um, but just make sure if somebody rings, answer it. And I put phone down. I was like, okay, I put phone down, and then it started ringing, and I was just sat there, didn't answer it. Started ringing again, didn't answer it. And I was like, answered it, and just had a little conversation. Um, and they just said that he'd select me, and I was just like. I was so quick to not even, not to get off the phone, but like I was just wanting to scream, you know, while I was on the phone. And, you know, I just thanked him for trusting me and, you know, selecting me. And then as soon as the phone went down, I was just screaming at the top of my voice. <laughs> so if somebody has ever had, you know, a recording me in that time, they'd have thinking, What the hell is what going is on, he, there? What is
2: he doing? <laughs> <laughs> is he all right? <laughs> is he singing or is he? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know, I've always, like, where does he get your phone number from? Do you know what I mean? Does, does like does the FA just have a list of you all, and he just takes it out and he's like, "All right, Calvin, I'll give her a bell now."
3: Yeah, I think so. I think you know when you first get called up for England, um, you know they give you, you know, all the details are given to you know the FA and and stuff like that. So yeah, I think. But it was weird because obviously I had not saved his number, so it came up and I was like, "His number," and
2: then I answered it, save. So um, and, and just the, the kind of, the communication about England and, you know, whether or not you're going to get selected or like, feedback like that, how often are you talking to Southgate, you know, that kind of thing? Or is it just, if you're selected, he gives you a bill and that sort of the deal?
3: Yeah, I think, especially the first time I got selected, obviously it's the first time I'd spoke to him properly. Um, and that was obviously a special occasion because it was the first time I ever had been called up for England. So that was... That was alright. And then other times you know, normally you just get a text. You just get a text from the FA like oh that like maybe a month before the squad's announced, they would be like you're in contention to be involved in the next international break. And then maybe I think it's the day the day it's announced, um, they'll get a text whether you're in or you know are you out. And um and then obviously for a major tournaments so you Gareth always rings the players that are are involved and even that aren't involved because I knew. when when he called me that time and he was telling me that I was involved, I knew that obviously the other lad, some other lads weren't involved. So I was like, Oh, I'll let you you carry on
2: with your day and and stuff like that. So, but yeah, it's just the normal routine now. That must be difficult. Like, I know, you know, a lot of the lads in the evening, you're close, right? Mm -hmm. And knowing as well, yeah, okay, I might be in the squad. Yeah. But some there's plenty of other guys who aren't going to be so it's a, it's, it's a weird day isn't it that that when the full squad gets announced because some, some guys you know in that case for you one of the best days of your life yeah. no doubt and you know for other guys as well like yeah. a really rotten day
3: yeah exactly yeah. and you know I was lucky that I was the only player obviously in my team that you know was playing for England at that time because I can't imagine you know being at City now and you know during the World Cup See so if I didn't get selected and you know, all the other lads have been selected I'd just be like out welcome man it is.
2: Mate, that scene in the film where you are a city and you comes to the dressing room and you're yeah. like, I'm going and then Scott Carson gets <laughs> up and he's like, Never go <laughs> check my phone. He's honestly Scotty is the funniest guy I've ever met. He's he's,
3: a, he's so funny. He's just twenty four hours a day he's just like that.
2: Yeah. All the time, yeah. It's important having characters like that in the dressing room, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I think you know, for Scotty as well, I think, you know, he's somebody that people look up to just because of how he is, how he how he just acts every single day and you know, he's he works so hard as well. He works so so hard and, you know, he playing time's very limited. He knows that and um but the way that he helps players when you're not involved like this year. Scott has been like one of the one of the best people for me to you know, to be around because he always gives hundred percent and um say like all the other lads are in recovery who have played, you know, lads that are substitutes, they have to go out and train together, and, you know, you could feel like, you could feel that like shit, and you'd be like, happy hearts, I don't want to do this. Um, But then Scotty would be like, come on, come on, you need to carry on going, you need to carry on going, and then, you know, whatever Scotty says, you got to do
2: <laughs> <laughs> It's like, he's a proper pro, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's that's experience, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That, yeah. that tells. Um, So, I don't... Diffic- a difficult question because I know how close you were with your grand, but obviously she passed the full World Cup <laughs> she didn't get to see you play in that that must have been um, really difficult for you really hard for you
3: yeah it was very difficult um, there's pictures as well obviously of me holding up her shirt and stuff and you know we we got to the final and we were celebrating and stuff like that um, but yeah it's just I don't know it's a weird one because you know, she never actually came to watch me play anyway. Never been to watch me. Really, never been to watch me play. She used to sit in the living room on the sofa, radio there, and just listen to it on the radio. Is that like superstition or something? It was just the way that she liked to do it. It's just the way that she always liked to do it. I don't know, I don't know why she did it because I just feel like she felt a lot more comfortable in her own living room being able to scream yeah. and tell tell somebody to off if <laughs> if they were doing a reading on the radio or whatever and um. She used to like listening to um, Adam Pope as well on yeah. Leeds Radio. So she was very fond of Adam Pope. Uh, Adam Pope so
2: she so to just to him. I don't know. Like, I like listening to Five Live as much as the next man. Yeah. But if I had like an unlimited supply of free tickets. Yeah. I would probably be. Yeah. <laughs> taking it's, just, it's, a,
3: it's just a way. It's, maybe she didn't like me watching me play football. And, but I don't like know. Some people, I know some people's parents do get funny about yeah. watching it. My mum used to be really bad, she used to be really bad when she used to watch her play football, she used to it'd be, like, it'd be like, she'd get like a a short spell of like Tourette's and she'd be like be like jumping, she'd be swearing and yeah. she'd have to tell, oh sorry, I'm so sorry, like the people sat next to her because she'd like moving around and stuff,
2: but um, but yeah, yeah some people, they enjoy it, some people do not so. emotional, isn't it? I guess, yeah. You know, you're obviously so proud as a parent Just to see a kid out there. Yeah. I can't imagine like what it, what it does to you. You're just try and like keep keep your lid on and like do it okay, you know. I won't be at it. Yeah, I won't. You you don't think you'd go?
3: I'd, I'd be at go. Yeah, you your w- kids to play. Yeah, I would, I'd love my kids to play. To be fair, I um, want I'd want to go and I'd want to watch them. I'd l- but I think if I've seen another kid trying and clap my kid I'd be like where's your dash? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> See you in the car. <laughs> um, for, the, for the Euros uh, 2020, you know, we saw three members of the squad um, Rashford, Sancho, Saka mm-hmm. receive racial abuse after the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly on social media, it has to be said. Yeah. You condemned it at the time. Mm-hmm. How important is it to have that sense of solidarity? between the players you know when something like that happens to sort of stand up and and say that it's wrong I think it's really
3: important not just for not just for the players to say it as well but like the whole of England you know to come out the FA and stuff to come out and say and condemn it all I think it was just to show you know support for them and show that you know they have got people who are you know looking out for them and you know want to make sure they feel alright about everything even though you know it's probably the worst few, few weeks of your life mm-hmm. at the time, and you know I can't imagine what all three of them would have gone through. So, you know, for me it was just, you know, to show you know that I support them and you know the great lads as well, and you know for them to be racially abused after giving everything for their country, you know, I think it was definitely out of order. But um,
2: it's Russell, isn't
3: it? Yeah, it's it's just so annoying. and it's one of the main reasons why i came out as well too was you know just to educate young kids as well you know that it's not the right thing to do and um you know if we can, if i can stop one kid from being racist and
2: you know hopefully it goes on and goes on and goes on so it's worth doing yeah. yeah of course it is um you said to the yorkshire evening post this this is a quote that not many people know that you're black um but some of your friends and family and again a quote can't even walk down the street without being given a dirty look or worse mm-hmm How has sort of colorism, that kind of prejudice between, you know, someone who's darker skinned and someone lighter skinned, how did that factor in? Well, not just your experience, but also sort of post-tournament for you, did it make things easier because you weren't getting as much stick as perhaps some of the other guys were, or did it make it harder because, you know, you sort of, you got the same experience, but you're not being as abused as badly. Maybe it makes you feel, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth guilty or
3: no yeah literally you put you hit the nail on the head it's, it makes you feel worse because you know I've, I'm obviously make sure so all these lads that are getting stiff, well why am I not getting stiff? and I feel for them because you know just because of the skin colour they're getting abused because you know we did not win a game, and you know what if you're going to abuse you know three players then why not abuse the rest of us and um you know, I will not say I was, I was looking in not to receive it, but, you know, because people don't know it, that I'm a mixed race and, you know, maybe they just didn't, didn't bother with me because they didn't think I was. So it's, it's a weird one, it really isn't. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a proper weird one, but... It kind of highlight,
2: highlights how stupid it is as
3: well. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's so... I don't even know the word to it. It's, it's so stupid. You know, and, yeah, ignorant. It's, it's just so ignorant and... Um, that's why I just don't understand it's just
2: yeah well let's not spend too much time talking about this <laughs> stuff, this nasty stuff because there's good you know there's good stuff here as well so just one last question on England which I've I've always wondered sort of you know like I said uh, you think about when you're younger like playing sport for your country what it feels like to be out on the pitch national anthem or whatever you stood there with the jersey on could you try and describe that feeling for me you no know? <laughs> it's
3: very it's so hard it's so hard I think Obviously, you know, one of my first, my first games and stuff I was very nervous but then during the hours I was just loving every minute of it. I was loving you know, just being around the boys, watching the country come together to support us and um, you know, you know, more fans were all started being allowed back into the stadium and stuff and even for the World Cup, you know, I wasn't involved in the you know, the World Cup as much as what I'd like to be because of my injuries, but the atmosphere at the the Wales game was unbelievable. It was unbelievable and you get goosebumps you know when you stood there and you the national anthem and stuff you just get goosebumps and you know some of that every young kid you know dreams of doing is playing for the country and especially that I, especially that i woke up mm-hmm. um um but yeah hopefully you know we've got the euros in a year's time so hopefully i'm doing that again well, been,
2: you know because it's not just with england as well right you know the city season have had right the season city have had i know in the treble when. And- like you mentioned, because of your injuries, mm-hmm. you know, not being able to play as much of a part as you would have liked. It must be sort of quite surreal sitting there, I don't know, whether it's at the parade or, mm-hmm. you know, even just at the games, watching all this success, this, like, footballing history, happening around you and not being able to take part in it. Yeah, it's...
3: it's at the start, here, at the start of the season, you know, when I was injured and stuff, it didn't really cross my mind. And then, you know, when I was going back to fitness and, you know, I still weren't playing, And it kind of went through a patch where I was like, really struggling and I was like, you know, wanting a great mood and, you know, maybe I'd go out to train and not do my best because I was pissed off at something. Um, I felt like I could have been involved or whatever, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's a manager's decision, so you just got to keep on going, got to keep your head down, keep working hard. And I feel like, you know, once I got past that stage so that stage for me, I'd say it was, we played Leicester at home, and I come on for like the last thirty minutes or something, and I did so bad. I was like so bad. I don't know if we of my confidence or whatever, but I was so bad. I can remember going, I'm I physically cried because I felt like you know the manager's giving me the chances, and I'm I'm not taking them, and I'm not producing what you know. I know that I'm capable capable of. And um yeah, that's when I um I decided to message Bielsa and you know, get familiar get talk to a familiar face and message him asking if I could speak to him and you know, told him how I felt and he just said it's literally all down to confidence, it's all down to the way that you are and um there's no doubt you've got the ability. You just need to be confident in yourself and you know if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna if you're gonna stay at Manchester City then you got to show that you're confident in yourself and um, you know I think after that phone call I just thought right. and every day I go in now I'm just going to be happy positive mood all the time all the time and I feel like after that point you know start obviously started getting more confident but then the rewards started coming we started winning more games and I just felt like it's like a momentum we, start, we went on like a 25 un- unbeaten unbeaten run and you know beat Arsenal who was unbelievable all season to to the league and then beat United in the final, and then the last game into Milan, you know, all while my family are, you know, enjoying this at the same time, I'm obviously enjoying it, thinking, you know, even though I'm not playing and I'm not involved as much, I'm so happy for, you know, everyone that's involved because it's history at the end of the day and it's something that nobody can ever take away from you. So, you know, I just, you know, got in that positive frame of mind where, no matter if I played or not, I was always going to be there for whoever needed me, so.
2: You're still in that for one now, how
3: do you feel? Yeah, really good. Yeah? Yeah, I do, yeah. I'm just out, out, just buzzing for the season to start, to be honest. I want to go to pre-season and work hard
2: and um, get to see the boys again and then, yeah, season start. I know it's, um, it's not the same thing, so it's like compare, compare these achievements is sort of like a bit of a fool's errand, but when you talk about like winning the Champions League winning the FA Cup winning the Premier League incredible Mm achievement you also saw Leeds go up into the Premier League yeah I mean I'm not asking you to say if one or the other is better but Mm -hmm. how do they compare to each other
3: I think I think for me just because you know I'm a Leeds boy and I've played for Leeds for so many years and all my really close friends was at Leeds. I've been there for years, I've made so many friends and um when we got promoted that was an unbelievable feeling. It was like just a feeling you can't explain because you know, we had an amazing season that year and you know, it was hit with COVID and then everything was just going on and it was just weird. And then, you know, to finally, you know, get us over the line was unbelievable. And I think, you know, that's definitely one of the best moments of my life so far is getting Leeds promoted. And then, obviously, the next best moment was the parade after we won the treble. That parade was crazy. Yeah. It was so good. And do you know what made it better? The weather. The rain. Right. Yeah. It was mental. Because so we went out and obviously we didn't expect it to start raining. Everyone were like, umbrellas and stuff. We don't want it to, over. And then it just started blasting it down and everyone tops off, swinging the tops around and stuff. It was just mental.
2: It was so good. Amazing. Amazing. Um well last question. Uh it's about your best pal again. That quote Liam gave. You know, we've talked a lot about money, we've talked well not a lot about money, we've talked about mm-hmm. We've talked about success. And that quote right at the beginning from him, you know, Calvin has never let the football, the fame, the money get on top of him. Why is that?
3: I don't know. It's just that I've always grown up. I've always I'd probably say it down to my family how they braised me and how my mum was, how my grandmas. Um just something that I'd never let happened and you know, I'm always, I'm a very I'm just a normal person at the end of the day, like I'm a footballer, but you know, you speak to me, I'm I'm so normal, it's yeah it's ridiculous. So um yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It's a weird it's a mad question. Um You must look back and think,
2: what on earth is going on here?
3: Yeah. <laughs> All the time. All the time. Um um, But yeah, I think, you know, I'm I'm just a humble person. I just, you know, I just understand that being a humble person's been a good person and helping others when they need help or anything like that. It just, it eventually it comes back and it's good to you, so. And not forgetting
2: where you came from. Exactly, 100%. Come on, Phillips, thank you so much. Thank you, mate. Cheers, it's been a pleasure.